0: Let's take our Bibles and let's head to Ephesians. If you need some of the sermon notes, they are up at back door, maybe Uh, There you are, Travis, if you don't mind, if there's anybody needs it, walk through the auditorium and get that to them. We're in Ephesians, please, in chapter four as we continue in a series that's just entitled Getting a Grip. And what we're talking about is getting a grip on different types of struggles that we have. The one we're talking about is getting a grip on our temper, on our anger. And uh, so we've been talking about it, and I was reading a multiple number of accounts of different individuals who found themselves in, in situations where their temper got the best of them. I was reading about a true story about a couple that they had separated. There was all these types of legal things that went on. And for a period of time, Nick grew into one of those really, really ugly situations. And the court ordered that the man was supposed to give part of his coin collection to his his ex and make payment. He was so angry. It was a coin collection he had for years, started as a child. So he thought, I'm going to get with her. I'm going to get even with her. He was ordered to give $10,000 worth of the coin collection. So he cashed it in and got $10,000 worth of nickels and paid her off in all nickels. I don't know where he got that many nickels, but he just did it in spite. There was another kind. I read about, a fa- somebody that was in with their, their parents. There was an issue over a car that was purchased, a sports car that the young man had. And he was supposed to then make restitution. Of the parents turned the car back over after it got into a court situation. And so he came up with the brilliant idea because he was angry that they were taking the car away that the day that it was supposed to be d- taken to his parents, he had the cement truck come and fill up the entire inside of the car with cement those are extreme cases. And you and I look at it and say, we've never done something like that. We don't struggle with anger and temper on that par, so we're we're sitting pretty good, and yet we do struggle. We we have issues, we get upset over traffic or lines, we get upset over the government, we get upset over something that might happen to us or something that didn't happen to us. We get upset over people talking to us or not talking to us. We get upset over how things worked out at work or they didn't work out. And the Bible's talking about this an awful lot. It talks about how we as believers are supposed to conduct ourselves at times. Now it does say in Ephesians chapter 6 where he's writing to the believers, And he makes this comment to them in chapter 4, after he's talked about putting on Christ and not going by the old lifestyle, and putting on the new man in verse 24, he says in verse 26, "...be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, and neither give place to the devil." We made this observation, there is times it is appropriate to be angry. But we also made this observation, anger too often leads to sin." It too often opens the door for Satan to come in and to attack families, to attack relationships, to attack individuals, to cause problems in churches, to, co- to cause problems on the mission field, you, you name it. And we've been talking about all of the damage and all the danger. Now we've been talking last week, what do we do? How do we deal with it? How do we respond? How do we put it off and put on Christ? And we were making sub- several observations last week. And just to keep it where we were last week, These are the thoughts that when we're tempted, when we're dealing with it, let's go before the temptation comes. So let's remind ourselves, we said you have to purpose. You have to purpose to change. That idea is you look and you say, wait a minute, I don't want to continue the way I was. I grew up in a home. We're in the home, this may be your case, that you grew up in a home where if something went wrong, anger was the response. Yelling or screaming or throwing things. And you say, now as a believer, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to have something different in my family. I don't want to say something harsh. I don't want to belittle somebody. I want to deal with it biblically. And so you purpose in your heart that you are dead to the past and you're going to live fresh to yield your members instruments of righteousness. You got to do it ahead of time. You got to purpose about it. And then what you do in preparation for that is you make it a matter of prayer. Jesus had told the disciples on frequent occasions, pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray to the Father that he would lead us not into temptation or literally lead us away from the temptation. So we need to go to him and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I struggle with anger. I struggle with overreacting. Lord, I need your strengthening. Lord, I know I can't do it without you. Lord, help me to be strong in you, to put on the armor of God to resist. And so I'm going to ask you, God, in prayer, please fill me with your spirit. The spirit that when I'm filled, when I'm yielded, I'm going to have these evidences, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the temperance, or self-control. So God, I'm praying to you, please help me. Help me in this preparation. But then we also added to that preparation is taking precautionary measures. The idea of not just praying, but also memorizing scripture. The memorizing a verse that you can use when you are tempted. Again, this is all preparation before the moment arises. Let's go a little bit further with that. Where we stopped last week, we're talking about prevention, preventing the situation. We made this observation last week, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. The idea is you and I have to examine our lives. When are we the most vulnerable? And we were talking at the end of last study that there are certain times of the day for most families when we're most vulnerable usually right before we're leaving in the morning and usually right before supper time. The third area is right before bedtime. It doesn't mean that we avoid the family. It doesn't mean we can say, okay, that's a problem. I know how I'm going to resolve it. I'm just going to move in all by myself. Can't do that. Okay. But you have to say, these are my moments where I can get tempted. And so Lord, please help me and do what you can with those times, those moments when you are in control, those that you can avoid. Okay the anger triggers. What really gets you? What ticks you off? And so you have to ask yourself some questions. This is a prevention. This is examining honestly yourself. And you would say, okay, wait a minute. For me, when I get easily frustrated, it happens when I'm tired or hungry. When I get more easily frustrated, it's when I'm in a real hurry. I've got so much to do. I've got so much to get done, and I only have so much time to get it all done. Maybe it's when you are, as we said last week, engaged in sports, and sports is your trigger of emotions. Maybe it's when we said last week, when you're watching certain news, when you're listening to talk radio, maybe it's when you expect too much of other people. And you have this high standard for them. You don't have it for yourself, but you have this high standard for them. Maybe it's when you hang around a certain person or a certain crowd. They are like gas on a fire. They trigger your, your anger, your temper. And so you look at it and say, okay, how do I act wisely to these triggers? Let, let's just take those. What would you do to prevent, to take precautions so you aren't so easily provoked when you're tired and hungry? What's the wise response to that? Do what? Planning ahead? Eating? What's that? I'm sorry, both of you said something. Getting enough sleep up? Taking a nap? Okay, very simple stuff very simple things and it's not profound it's just biblical principle of don't make provision for the flesh it says what i may do is maybe i need to get a better sleep pattern maybe i ought not to stay up so late you know and and do some things that aren't worth really doing okay you talk about you know some some people get really involved with video games and things like that into the wee hours yeah, yeah, I can see most of you are. That's, that's your thing. Okay. But if that's the case, then plan different. Don't, don't put your schedule. Let's, let's talk about when you're in a hurry. When you're in a hurry, maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to reevaluate how much you think you can get done in one day. So you don't have this list of to-do lists that has 25 items and you get frustrated because you only get through three of them. Maybe you have to be more realistic in your abilities. Maybe what you need to do is lower that expectation or start learning to delegate or not take on so much. There is something that is typical of busy people like you that it's an, it's a, an, um, it can be a concern for people like you who are very busy. You don't know how to say no. You feel that you've just got to say yes to everything. There are times you need to say no. And so you need to be cautious of that. If we said, okay, this one, you're too engaged with your team. Remember my advice to you? If you if you get so, you watch a game and you get so frustrated that you're angry and you're taking it out on others around you, then stop being involved in the sports. We had a professor in... in um, Uh, seminary that he was just a tremendous athlete, just a a really outstanding athlete. But he knew that he would get too upset at times. So he took it upon himself to say, I'm not going to make provision. I'm not going to let those things control me. And he, for a major period of his life, he said, I just put aside sports. I wasn't engaged in sports. And he would tell us in class, guys, you know, why are you watching these sports and spending all your time? The same score is going to happen whether you're watching it or not. Okay. Now, if your team is really frustrating, then maybe, Art, what you can do, since our teams played against each other today, is you should choose a different team. Okay? Did you see the score? Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Your team was... Your team was you're not making... Oh. You didn't watch it. Okay, okay. Your team was up with, by six or something in the last minute or two, and the Vikings came back. Yeah. Um, it, it's a miracle. I know, I know. It's just... So, okay, what happens when you're frustrated with news? Talk radio. What's the wise thing to do? Okay, okay. What it happens if you're, if you're one who you unfairly expect too much of others? What's, what's the obvious response? Lower the expectation. Lower the expectation, okay? Set smaller goals for people. This is me as a parent. You guys wouldn't have done it. And I've told you this before. I would get upset with my kids if they wouldn't do something to the completion to my satisfaction. If they didn't clean their room the way that I thought the room should be cleaned. If they didn't put things away exp- just exactly the way I think they should be put away. That's unfair to kids. What's a clean room to a kid? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Right? Right? I told you, this, you know, this was one of my, my major moments of learning is when my son was here and I told him he has to hang up his coat on one of the, out here in the foyer. It was in the other foyer. Hang up your coat. He came in and he said it's still on the floor. And I told him, go out and hang up your coat. And I did that and, and then I was all geared up to discipline him until he finally said I can't reach the hangers. My expectation of this four-year-old was unreasonable. And it was like, oh, but I was all geared up. I had to paddle out. I was ready to do whatever because I was frustrated that he wasn't obeying. But my expectation was beyond his ability. Does that ever happen to any other parent or am I the only one in this room? Okay, so we say, okay, be careful. What, what, what's the obvious conclusion? If certain people trigger you into frustration and anger, what do you have to do? You stay away from those people. Stay away from those people. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that make no friendship with an angry man, a furious man. Don't go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Okay, so we go a little bit further. Now you've done some preparation. You know, you've acknowledged that this is a battle for me. And I've got to acknowledge it. And now what happens when the moment comes? You're trying to address it. You're trying to do it. Then when the moment comes, obviously you've got to pray. You've got to pray immediately. And you know how this all works in your mind. Your mind is going a mile a minute at the moment of temptation. You're thinking all kinds of things. You immediately have to remember that if you will draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. You immediately have to pray, Okay, God, help me out. Help me to resist. Help me to purify my, my heart. God, please do a work in me so that I resist the devil and he will free, flee from me. So you have to be praying immediately. Before you respond, Before you explode, pray and say, Lord, help me. Acknowledge that you're irritated. Acknowledge that that you may all of a sudden go further, say something, do something that you ought not to do. Then let's do this. This is all happening now within the milliseconds. You pray, you pause. You pause, okay? And what do you do? You don't respond immediately. You don't say something. You don't write that something. You pause and think it out. You don't retaliate. But what you do is what you do in this moment is you practice self-control. Lord, help me, help my spirit to get control over my anger. And so, God, please give me, uh, give me this strength. Remember these scriptures. And this is when you may have to be uh, pondering at this moment and be saying, okay, this scripture, I need to pause because the Bible says, and remember this as in your memory verse, he that has no rule over his own spirit is like the city with broken down walls. Or the wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases the strife. Or maybe a fool utters all his mind, but a wise man keeps it until afterwards. Some passage that will help you to pause pause, to just take a moment. Thomas Jefferson was coined with this phrase, and we've all heard it. If you get angry, count to 10. Okay. Thomas Jefferson added to it. And if you're very angry, count to 100. There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom to say, I need to pause. I need to pause. I need to slow down. And I need to get this to where I'm cooling off a bit. Why is that biblical principle? Go not forth hastily to strive, lest you know what to do in the end thereof. No, not what to do in the end thereof. And when your neighbor has put you to shame. Have you ever gotten upset with somebody only to find out you were totally wrong in your reaction? You misunderstood the situation totally and so you and I need to pause. But let's add to it. Now it's happening. You're praying, you're pausing, and you need to ponder. You need to think these things through. Okay? And it's happening in milliseconds. And we, can do, we, we need to be very careful because it's easy for us to deceive ourselves. Very easy. Okay, so here we are. We're saying, okay, I need to ask myself some questions. The reason I say we need to ponder is this is out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is dealing with the nobles who have been abusing the people. They have been taking advantage of the people that are living there in broken down Israel, Jerusalem. They're taking advantage by charging them too much interest. Jews weren't supposed to charge the interest. And then they were having the other Jews sell their lands. To the, to the richer folk. They're taking advantage of people and taking their their law-given Old Testament inheritance. And then they were having even some of the families selling their kids to the rich people as indentured servants. And when, Noah, when Nehemiah comes back and he's reviewing the situation, Nehemiah is ticked. He is really upset. They're violating so many different principles from the Word of God, commands from the Word of God. It's interesting. He, was, he says, I was very angry when I heard the people coming to him and saying, this is what's happening. We're being financially abused by the leadership. Here's what the pa- next passage says. I consulted within myself. What's that mean? What's it mean he consulted within himself? He took time to think this through. He took time to think this through. He's got to, before, he, before he reacts, he's got to pause so that he acts and not reacts. And so he's pondering it. He's giving it some thought. And then he says, I went and rebuked the nobles. Then he had processed who is wrong, how am I going to respond to it, and how, what is the best way of handling it. So when you're, when you're tempted, you here it is. The anger is there. You're, you're frustrated. It's, it's rising up. Before you act, ask yourself or before you react ask yourself a couple questions. Again, you've got to be honest in this one. You've got to be very careful, because we can deceive ourselves. Just pause and think, Am I biblically justified in my anger? We've said this repeatedly, that Jesus warned us that we are in danger of judgment if we are angry with our brother without a cause. Okay? We're not justified. So what you need to do is ask saying, am I really justified in my anger? And, and this is where we can deceive ourselves. We, we, can, we can do what we heard so well, well presented here a few weeks back. Did Jonah justify himself when he said, I didn't get my way? Yeah, he didn't. He was insistent. And God is saying, are you, are you doing well to be angry? And Jonah's response, yeah, I, I, I can be angry because I'm angry that it's hot and I'm angry that the gourd died and God's trying to just deal with them. You have no right to be angry. You didn't deserve the gourd. You didn't deserve et cetera, et cetera. You know, it was only by the grace that God did. And yet he stubbornly insisted he had the right to be angry. Have you ever found yourself stubbornly insisting you have a right to be angry, but you knew in your heart. You knew in your heart. Nah. Nah. And so you and I have to ponder and be honest, okay? So let's, let's, let's ask a few, more, a few more pointed questions, okay? I am really angry. Do I have a right to be angry because I'm being inconvenienced? Do I have a right to be angry because I don't like that person and I'm upset with them anyway about something else? Uh, Do I have a right to be so angry when I'm in a hurry and my stuff is far more important than other people's stuff? Am I right to be angry when I'm just playing in a bad mood? Is it okay for me when I'm really feeling lousy and sorry for myself and because of that, I'm going to be angry with everybody in the household just because I've got the blues? And And woe is me. Do I have the right to be angry because I think I deserve better than what I got? Do I have a right to be angry when they aren't doing what I want them to do or what I like them to do for me? I'm not talking about order of authority. I'm talking about you just, they didn't do. They didn't do what you wanted them to do. It was, you know, you wanted to go someplace, they wanted to go another place, and you're just ticked that they didn't do your thing. They didn't follow your suggestions. They don't give me the credit or the praise that I think I deserve. As you look at all those, how do you have to honestly assess it? What is, what is this in all reality? It's all about self. It's all about self. All of this is, it's about me. It's about me. And yet the principles from the Word of God say that instead of making it about me, what am I supposed to make things about? Christ and others. Jesus didn't come to be ministered unto He came to be ministering. Okay? And so you have to rethink this and say, Okay, is my anger legitimate because my pride is hurt? Well, that's not always a really good... That's frequently not a good spot. You, when, you, when you get down to it, what are justifiable causes? We alluded to this, but let's just remind ourselves... It is justifiable for us to be angry when these types of things happen. When something anti-Bible is happening morally, doctrinally, we have a right to, to, okay, we want to get this in check. We want to deal with it. When somebody is getting hurt, somebody is getting harmed, we have a right to be angry when somebody is being led astray, and it's hurting them not just physically, but it's hurting them in other ways. We have a right when somebody's disobeying authority. And you can add to your list, okay, of when it is right based on biblical principle. And there are moments that it is right. But then you have to say, okay, is my anger profitable? What I mean by that is this. Not only is it justifiable, is it profitable for me to be angry? Uh, let Let me see if we can explain it this way. How often do we get angry over things that we really don't control? We can't change them, but we get really upset and really angry. And our, is our anger profitable that it's going to make a change? Probably not. Uh, like this. We get angry when we're paying the bills because inflation, everything costs a lot. Is my anger going to be profitable? Is it going to change the economic state of America? Well, maybe if it gets you interested enough to vote into some some way, but typically, you know, what about this? You get angry because you've gotten sick. And you're really upset that you got sick. And you're really, you're really mad that you got sick. And so now because you don't feel good and you're sick, you're mad at your family. What did they do? What profit is it to get upset over something you had no control over. Or like this, your team is playing poorly. If I get upset with my team, it's not really going to make a difference. What what about this? You get upset that the traffic is backed up. And you're there and you're blowing your horn. Is it going to make any difference? We were coming back from a call the other day, and we thought, okay, I'm going to um, go from one call to another call, and we were going cross-country. And so we were taking these back roads. We ended up on 501 quickly for just a little bit, and we came through Brickerville. And as we were coming, there was a semi in front of us and a car in front of. There was semi, a car, and then us. And as we were coming up the, one of the first crests there, uh, right beyond Brickerville, coming north, all of a sudden the semi slowed way down. And Deb made comment because I was in a real hurry. want to get this done because we had things you know wanted to make this call and get back for prayer meeting. And um, and so she made comment. Says well, we're probably there's a horse and buggy. Yeah, you know, it's got them slowed. And when we came over the crest as we were now creeping, a tree had fallen all the way across 501. Oh my word. All of a sudden there was cars behind us. People were honking. People were slamming. The the one of the vehicles in front the one vehicle in front of us had to turn around and oh that person was just red and livid. Did it help move the tree? Yeah, you know, it just all it did was increase their blood pressure. Right? Okay, what about, what about this? Standing at a long line in a store. What about this? You've got so much housework that you have to do, you get angry. That you have so much work to do. You've got to wash the dishes. You've got to clean the house. You've got to take care of the kids. Okay? We get really upset about it. I went to a, for, on business to, for the church here to, um, to some company last month or maybe six weeks ago. And I went in there to check out something for what we were, I, I forget what the exact item was, I was stopping there. And I stopped in, and the man was working behind the counter on some of the, the equipment that was there to be repaired. And he slammed his tool down, came up, what do you want? I said, I'm really sorry, y'all, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be a smart mouth, but I said, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to inconvenience you. He said, "Well, what do you want? I'm busy. I wanted to say, I'm sorry, I want to be a customer, okay? I'm sorry I want to do business with you. Yeah. I'm sorry that you, you, know, you got people walking in your door and giving you business. I mean, think about it. What is he in business for? To sell and deal with customers. And he's mad that somebody comes in my wife had an experience a while back. She went to one of the fast foods places right down the street here and she pulled in and she, you know, after they were, you know, how they talk, you can't understand what they're saying. And he was like, well, I'm with you in a minute. And she said it took a while and then finally said, what do you want? You know, and she says, well, I'd like to place an order for some food. Okay. You know, it's, it's like, I'm sorry I came to a fast food restaurant to get some food yeah you know, but that's what you're there for. Does it ever happen? i mean my my business is people, and it's is it is it wise for me to get upset that somebody's calling for help? Hey, pastor, do you have a few minutes to give me some counsel? No, you're bothering me okay. okay your appliance, your car broke down, okay? And, and this is my best, one of my besetting weaknesses is car issues and, and problems with them. And in reality, okay, what about paying taxes? Do you, do you know people who get really upset around April 15th? Okay, so you have to ask yourself, what profit does it do? And there can be profit. If my anger will stir me to create change, Okay, great, that's good. If it'll motivate me to change and do better or to, to work at a circumstance, great, then it's good. If it'll, pro, it'll motivate me to protect somebody or to help somebody, all for it, then, then, it's, a, then it's profitable. If not, then stop the anger. Stop the outburst. Just, just say no, don't react in anger. Submit to God, resist the devil. And so we're pondering these things and saying, is it profitable? And let me throw this out. When you are pondering, remember this biblical principle, that some of the inconveniences, some of the difficulties that you face, God has put them in your life for growth, for good. So when we get angry with the inconveniences, with those difficult moments, we're we're struggling against God, we're fighting against God. God has brought us in school to help work on our patience, and what are we doing? We're resisting. The Bible makes it clear, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When the tree falls across the road and changes your schedule, instead of getting upset, okay, I need to reckon there is a purpose, God is wise, God is doing this just to grow me. When there's the thought that we, he says the trial of our faith, we, read, we had that whole series on First Peter, that it might be found under the praise and glory and honor. Our trials are to help us to come to lifting up Christ, not getting angry. And we know the Romans 8 passage. So we have to say, wait a minute, instead of getting upset over inconveniences, let's look for how God is growing us. Let's ponder it. Okay, now we're up to something new. Putting off and putting on. The principle of Scripture, put off the former man, put on the new. And so if you've been with us in Sunday school, we've been talking about this putting off and putting on and going through that text and pointing out that there is a lot in that very text about putting off, such as the you know, lying, different things like that, stealing. He also, and for the most part, deals with attitudes. And the major attitude is let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. And we highlighted this. Those of you who have been in our class that have been talked about you remember this. The idea of bitterness that we're to put off is the idea of hatred or resentment. The idea of wrath is, a, is this outburst, an act of rage. Road rage? Okay? The idea of anger is something that is seething, that is boiling, that you're hanging on to, that you're thinking about for for minutes and hours that could end up leading into bitterness or wrath. The idea of clamor is all of a sudden you're ticked and you raise your voice. You yell at somebody. You inappropriately you know say something to them in anger in outrage the evil speaking the word is from that base word of blaspheme you start slandering somebody you start talking against them because you're angry and so you're going to campaign against that person the idea of malice is saying on a long-term basis you are attacking that individual with ill words ill attitudes and you are tearing down their reputation put this off Believers, begin now to put this off, is what he's saying in that passage, and replace it with different type of speech. And you got to stop. You got to, you got to remember, I can't respond that way. I got to stop it. And I've got to purpose to do the putting on. The putting on is, I'm supposed to have edifying speech that ministers grace. Well-chosen words that might be able to deal with the issue i need to be kind even in that setting need to be kind showing the mercies of god i need to be tender hearted we know what that is that's compassion not attacking as an enemy but as compassion working with a family member working with one another forgiving one another we understand that we understand that as God forgave us, that, that we don't have to elaborate. So practically speaking, what about this putting off and putting on? Okay, I've got to keep in my mind, work at patience. Work at actually being patient. That idea of lowering my expectations. This, this is just so filled. This is just, there is so much in this thought, practically speaking, that I, I don't know if I'll get across, but I hope I do. Do you realize that some people... Some people take longer to get ready in the morning than others do. Okay? And I know it becomes a frustration in homes. Okay? But some people take longer. I don't know if it's because there's more work to do to get ready. Okay? I don't mean to imply anything. Okay? But some take longer. I got to tell you, honestly, it doesn't take me long to wash my hair and comb it. It just doesn't take me as long as it would take somebody else okay? But who is usually our standard of how, what, what time it should take? Ourself, okay? Somebody in the household may take longer than you. Lower the expectation of this. Some people in your house may need more sleep than you. This was a constant frustration in the burgraff household when I was growing up. My dad was one of those rare people, that he had the metabolism, whatever it was, he could work and, and, and keep on going with just a handful of hours of sleep a night. And so in his mind, since he could go to bed at midnight and wake up at four o'clock and be fresh and do his job, his thought was all the rest of us can operate that way. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, wake me up before six o'clock and it's like, actually in my life, anything before noon is wrong. Okay, in that sense. And so it was a constant struggle in our home with all six kids and my mom. My dad had the expectation if he can live on four hours of sleep, everybody else. And it only took until years and years later that he, that he said, you know, I, I, I realize now that that expectation was unreasonable. What about this? Some people may not move as quickly. Okay, some people are real cheery in the morning. And they're all, you know, and you want to say to them? <laughs> some, some, BB, some people are good at multitasking. Some people are really good at this. Others of us, we can't keep track of a whole bunch of things. But we expect who, those of you who are multitaskers and good at it, don't get frustrated with the rest of us who can't keep things as well orderly in our mind like you can. Some people are really good on remembering dates. Some people are really good at remembering names. Yeah, you know, have, have you ever done this? I need to talk to you, Tony, Becky, Shelley, Ben, or oh, whatever your name is. Okay. And you run through the whole thing. What about this? The organization. Some people are very good at organizing paperwork. Whew. Some people shouldn't have paperwork. Okay. It's always a lost. What, what about this one? Do some of you need more time to process before you answer? No? Yes? Oh, you're all quick. There are times that we're in conversations and I need to think through. And I'm not answering. And I'm just thinking through. And the other party can easily say, you aren't answering? You're not talking to me. No, no. It's not that I'm not talking. It's I need time to think. This idea of some, you know, some people, um, you know, they can do housework better, better than others. Or, or this. This, was, this. None of you probably had this. This was a, one of the frustrations that Deb and I had when our kids were at home and they were little for a period of time. Is I expected her to keep the house a certain way even though there was four kids in the house. And I read books all about family because I was going to teach you about it. That when the husband comes home and the dinner is made and everything is ready, oh, there's going to be peace in the house. And I'd come home, dinner isn't ready, there's chaos in the house, and my wife just says, I'm so glad you're home, I'm taking a break. (laughs) Lowering expectations and being reasonable with them. The idea of being punctual. And I know the idea is we should be punctual, but some people just, they're slow movers. Do you have one of those kids? You're trying to teach them to speed it up? What about this one? Some take longer to change. You know, you got this down pat. If I preach something or somebody points it out, boom, you've got it under control. You You don't struggle anymore. You noticed it and it's done. It's gone. But others around you, you point out something, and it's not changing as quickly as you want them to change they promised you that they would work at it and they're trying but they're not changing as quick as you think they ought to does that ever happen what about this one you really know what they should be doing for you they you you know that what really you know what really flicks in your heart is when they make really good compliments. And they just, they, they brag on you. You know that, but they don't brag on you as much as you think they should. They don't compliment you. Yeah. And that, that person, you know, they, they say to you, you don't, you don't talk to me in the way I want to be talked to. You don't, you don't give me The the gifts. I just love gifts, but you don't give them. And your response is, yeah, but you don't give me the compliments. And you're talking two different love languages. And our expectation is, that person, they ought to meet me where I'm at, not me lowering expectation and being reasonable. In fact, this is a reality. Some aren't able to read your mind the way you think they ought to. Lowering expectations, being reasonable here, that's part of this idea being more tolerant of other people. And don't so quickly judge people. Don't so quickly assume the worst. Not just lower expectations, but don't assume the worst about people. Has any of this ever happened to you? Have have you ever had people upset with you because you didn't wave at them when they drove by? Why didn't you wave at them? You didn't see him? You know, I've had this happen. Somebody says, you know, I'm really upset that you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you, but I saw you. You were out walking, and I drove by, and you didn't wave at me. I don't know what car you drive. Well, I drive it every Sunday. I'm not in the parking lot to see what everybody drives. What about this one? You don't wish somebody a happy birthday or anniversary. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you wish him happy birthday or anniversary? You forgot? You didn't know? What's that? I don't do Facebook. And there's a just a it gets me out of a lot of trouble. Okay. You didn't say hi to them when they're in the store. Have you ever had somebody say to this? Well, you know, what's wrong with you? I was at the other end of the aisle and I waved at you and you didn't even you need way back. When I'm in a store, I'm like hunter man. You know, male hunting. You get in, you get what you want, and you get right back out. You don't go browsing. Okay? You just get the item and get it. I'm not so concerned. I am to a degree. But the price. But I'm not standing there and doing shopping math. Yeah. If I buy 50 of these, I'll save five bucks. Okay. I want that one pack of M M&M and M peanuts. That's it. I'm getting it and getting out. And so I don't see things. What about this? You're a little late for a meeting. You ever have somebody upset with you? You were late. Why? What might be a good reason you're late? A tree in a road. A tree in a road. Thanks, Mark. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Okay. Other good reasons. For being late to a meeting right. oh that's that's <laughs> have you ever had a car breakdown? yeah, have you ever been stopped by a train in Lebanon okay okay, oh man, your bus is late, okay um I have had this happen here where I get late. Somebody stops and they are insistent I need to talk with them. And I'm saying, I I need to go. And they're saying, give me one minute. And I'm torn. Do I give them no time? Or do I run late to meet you if we're meeting for some spot? And so I'm torn to say, okay, do I just diss you and have nothing to do because or run a couple minutes late. And so I'll choose, if need be in text, and say, and I'm learning this in my own life, and it's taken me a while. There may be reasons people have have issues. They're running late. It could be their kids. It could be their spouse. It could be their car. And instead of assuming the worst, and just assuming it and getting frustrated with them, give them a break. Give them a break. The idea of people don't answer right away. We talked about it. You didn't talk to them as long as they wanted. Why not? I've, I've, I've run into this. I'm sure you did. I didn't spend enough time talking to somebody on neighborhood night. Somebody in our church. You know, I didn't spend enough time talking to them during neighborhood night. My job on neighborhood night was to be greeting The neighbors. Okay, that was my job. But I didn't spend enough time talking to them. You know, hey, come on, let's, let's be a little bit reasonable. Why might you not respond to somebody's text? Besides, you don't want to. Why might you? What's a reasonable reason? Yeah, no cell service. You didn't see it. Okay, whatever. Whatever practicing patience becoming more tolerant this idea of being cautious that you don't let your temper run away with you with an expectation that is too demanding too unreasonable on other people let me get to something else here okay you need to ask yourself in pondering what is the best course of action right now i need some advice okay what is the best course of action right now I have a situation in my neighborhood, at my house, that one of my neighbors has reported to me that there's somebody who walks their dog around our neighborhood. Every hour, there's people walking dogs around our neighborhood. And this one particular person has come very deep into my yard, quite deep into my yard. And they let their animal do its business, and then they walk away. And so I'm finding multiple scat piles in my yard. So according to what we put up one camera, not for this reason, but for other reasons, we noticed it happened again. That around 10 o'clock at night, somebody in our neighborhood walks their animal all the way up to the edge of my garage, lets that animal, and then leaves and doesn't take care of it. I don't want somebody doing that in my yard. I think I'm right legally, socially, to say that's wrong. Okay? What would you do? I didn't hear it, but I'm not sure if I wanted to. Okay. What do you do? Sit on the porch. I don't have a porch out on that side of the house. And I'm not sure I'm going to want to sit out there because I don't know what time they come consistently. I have a light on. I put the light on, made no difference. I put a security light that flashes when they come in, made no difference. Make no difference. Move? Move? <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. Because I, I want the grandkids to come over and play in the yard. I don't want them to play in the yard. Because, yeah. What's that? That says stay off our yard? With a plastic bag? I was expecting somebody to say, get a bow and arrow. Uh, okay, so I have to decide what is the best course of action. And in part of the decision what's the best course of action, I think this is a legitimate response. What would the Lord do? What would the Lord do in the, this case? Okay. and. Yeah, I need, I need to get a, the moment to be able to see him and talk with them, But I have, to, I have to think through. Now, whatever your situation is, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ says to you and me, we have got to ask this question. In this moment, what would the Lord do? How would he act? How do I, instead of getting angry, how about this, this thought? Okay, if I were in their shoes, how would I want somebody to deal with me? Because the Bible principle is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay, so if that's the case, okay, I, how would if, you know, how would I want them to respond to me? Okay, uh, what, what about this? Could there be, not, and I get, get away from the story I just gave you about my, my issue. Could there be a lack of information in situations where you get upset? Okay, I'm not trying to be silly, but this happens like this, a lack of information, illustration. You're standing on my foot. You ever been in a line and somebody stands on your foot? Have you ever seen how kids react in temper and in anger? Have you ever seen how some adults act in temper and anger? I mean, have you ever stood on somebody's foot and not, not realize it right away? Wow, i'm impressed, okay what about this idea to be honest that that what you just said it, it, I know we laughed, but it really isn't it really hurts it really you know what you what you just said that that I'm really sensitive about that and informing them what about this thought okay you're at work and they're going. Or they're humming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's their thing. But they don't even know how irritating it is to you. And so you blow up. No. You inform them that it's frustrating. Okay? So, you know, information like, Hey, Deb, this is what I'm planning for the weekend or the day off. That might help remove some stress and anger. Just being respectful and getting some information. What about you have a problem with a neighbor? Instead of instead of attacking the neighbor and you know they they've done something in your lawn, so you're gonna spray their flowers. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna fight back and start the Hatfield McCoy feud. What about going to them? What about asking them? Can we work together to resolve something? Or maybe you don't even know. You know, you're. I don't know if you realize, but what you've been planting is on my yard, actually. Because some of us, and maybe I'm the only one here, I don't exactly know my property line, where it is between me and my neighbor on one area. And so working together and finding that out. At work, your employee isn't doing something the way you want them to do. So instead of blowing your stack, go to them and tell them how you want it done. Maybe you're, you have a quirky way of getting it done, and they don't know your quirk. So just talking to them, informing them. If you have somebody, any of you ever have this? Where somebody comes, we did this years ago, we had a teen move into our house that we were helping the family out because of teen issues. But before they moved in, we already set up the rules. It was understood, here's what's going to happen. And so making sure that that's an understanding in that regard. Just the information aspect. So now we're up to this last thought. We're up to pardon. Okay? So we've, we've come to the point, you know, we're trying to deal with it, trying not to blow our temper, but we did. What do we have to do? You have to seek your pardon. You have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You got to go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry you got to confess your anger that you got out of control, that you said something that wasn't justified, that you did wrong words or actions, that you blasphemed or with malice or with clamor. And don't excuse it. And don't don't cover it up. But rather, what you want to do is say, hey, Lord, please, please forgive me. This was wrong. This was wrong that I held on to it. This was wrong that I ruined my testimony before other people by exploding. Lord, I want to confess my sin. And confess is simply agreeing with God and saying the same thing. That anger out of control is wrong. That the idea of words that are inappropriate, they're wrong. They need to be put off and they can't be blamed on our, on our ancestry or our family upbringing or whatever it is. If, we, if we've done wrong, we need to confess it we need to ask the Lord. Because if we regard iniquity in our heart, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt our prayer time, our walk with the Lord. So we need to go to that individual. You need to go to the Lord. In fact, he has said in the Word of God, if you know that there's a problem, then before you even worship, get it squared away. So we have all of these principles that if somebody has been angry with us, we need to forgive them. But that's not always easy. How do we forgive somebody who keeps on doing the same thing? How do we forgive somebody who they didn't even ask me the right way for forgiveness? How do we forgive somebody that, I mean, they really, really, really hurt me? How do I forgive somebody who's, well, we need to do it 70 times seven, but it's a battle. How do I do? What is forgiveness? How do I deal with? How do you tell somebody to forgive somebody who abused them physically when they were a child and be able to move on? We need to do a study on getting a grip on forgiveness. And what is this involving total, complete, biblical forgiveness? We'll get to that in the next few weeks. Father, help us in this one area of our temper of our anger to be reasonable to be led by the Spirit, to be moved by the Spirit. Father, help us to be individuals who would glorify you in all that we say we do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask this. Amen.